Last time on Corinthian Cowboys. Wow, we're That's- not uploading that, right? What a fucking asshole. Who <laughs> <Do> that? Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, the one I really hated was that Dan guy. He was a real putz. Uh, I think you mean puss. Not nah, putz. P-U-T-Z. And now for the exciting conclusion of episode 16 of Corinthian Cowboys, the return of the AMC ambassador. But yes. before we do, I want to just bring up one very off-topic thing, and then I want to sure. Joe. And I want to bring this up just because I'm in front of company I appreciate and Duh. that we're recording. In regards to my Cadillac, my 78 Eldorado. Custom Brits classic. Yes, yes. Do do I dare drill holes in the hood to put in uh, yes. some yes. horns? Yes, fool. <laughs> no. Yes. I am. Yeah. I'm yeah. in the process. Yes. Do it. Right. Or just strap it to the grill. That's what I did on my. No, I want. I want the look on the hood. I love that. That look. Oh, that's tricky. I mean, the good thing is, is like it would be easy enough to fix if you wanted to reverse it. Right. I could just fill those two holes and call it a day because my hood needs paint anyway. <laughs> I'm looking what at your photos. Get it is a gorgeous hood. car. What was that? I'm sorry. I, I was going to say. Your... Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Who, 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 you go first. <laughs> you go first. Fight over the mic. I was going to say. Uh, I was going to say, do you, could you find one in a junkyard and just have a spare hood? Uh, probably not. I mean, Steven. in a junkyard, no, I, I could find a spare hood. It would be like $600, I'd imagine. At just least. look around on Marketplace. No. Oh, yeah. No, Cadillac people are fucking assholes. They are. <laughs> I, I Everything is gold. No, because here's the thing. If I drilled two holes, right, just to hold up, have some sort of bracket system to hold the horn. If I ever wanted to reverse it, I would just fill the holes and then paint. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what were you going to say, Joe? No, I was going to suggest the same thing. It's right. It's not that hard since it's like a flat piece of metal. It wouldn't be that hard to fill in the holes and paint over them. Yeah. Um, but I do love Eldorado's. Actually, the, uh, the first really big YouTube video I did was a 72 Eldorado. Oh, that's um, right. I forgot about that. You were really And that's... It was a friend of my dad's and, you know, I had done like two other videos at that point and I was like, man, I need more cars. I need more cars. And so I was like, Dave, can I do a video with your car? And he's like, heck yeah, you can. That'd be great. And so uh, I did a video oh, with a yeah. 72 Eldorado and I, people ask me all the time, you know, what's your favorite car you've ever driven? What's your favorite car you've ever driven? I mean, you know, at Motor Week, I drove, you know, I, had, I drove a Lamborghini. I drove multiple Porsches. You know, I drove Hellcats, all that stuff. Honestly, my favorite car I've ever driven, even including my AMC Ambassador, which I still own, my favorite car was driving that 8.2 liter Eldorado. Do you want just... your ambassador to run you over because you're going to make it very jealous of you if you? Anyway, go. No, no, no. He understands that oh. Eldorado is still my favorite car I've ever driven. It it just Look. you feel like a king. You know, yes. there is nobody There's can nothing like it. Nobody can take three. anything away from you. You know, <laughs> and it's it's this thing where Brome era cars have this feeling that like nobody can take away from you, right? It's no other car can provide that feeling of being king of the road. You know, there are faster cars. 
There are more expensive cars, but there's just something about riding along in a gigantic American land yacht that you don't have to care what other people think. Yes, and, and that's what I love about these cars. I don't think anyone's going to hate you for pulling up in an Eldorado, especially a full-size Eldorado like that. Unlike, just, let's say, a Hellcat. Right. <laughs> right. Like, how can you not like an Eldorado? They're just, they're wonderful. Especially at this point. I mean, maybe, I don't know, in the 70s, maybe they're like, oh, look at this rich bastard. But, you know. Now it's like, oh, look who, look who had an extra $5,000 lying around. That's what people think. Yeah. Can yeah, you I, pull up an Eldorado? I, I love mine to death, and I, I, I will be the first to always be against cutting into a body of, of any sort to any degree. But God damn, do I think a huge set of horns would look so good on it. Yeah. <laughs> Just glue them on there. That, that's You can reverse that. No. Magnets. 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 There you go. <laughs> Got it. I don't know. need a lot. I will say this, Joe. The first video I saw of yours was your uh, Packard Patrician video. The, mm. the day I bought my Packard, I watched that video. Oh, good. That was a fun car. I um, Somebody sent me a link the other day to a 1955 Packard 400 with a stick shift. What? It was a, it was a three-speed on the column, and I could you not could believe it. I, I, I don't believe I, that. No I way. asked my friend who is a Packard expert, like Barton, he is like, it. no, he said, he said it was about 5%. He said it was about a 5%. So he said like the cheapest clipper models and like the cheapest 400 models had a manual because wow, Packard, Packard came out with their own automatic only yeah. a few years prior. Right. Um, and as soon as Packard came out with the ultramatic, the take rate was like 90%. Oh, absolutely. But if you were a weirdo and you went and custom ordered a Packard, they would build you one with a manual trans. And so it was a honest to goodness, three pedal Packard. And I just thought, how cool would it be to have a Packard V8 with a three-speed on the column? <laughs> and he said, "He said, unlike the Ultramatics, the manuals are pretty bulletproof." He said, huh. they're pretty, they're "Yeah, I, I'm actually, said, I'm actually curious, like, because those V8s were real torque monsters. It's like, would that three-speed be able to handle that?" <laughs> oh yeah, he said they were much, you know, they were much more able to stand up than the Ultramatics were okay. to, to the power of the engines. So Fair he said enough. they're pretty bulletproof, but you're not going to find a lot of them because, you know, they're There's <laughs> probably rare. That's probably one of them. probably one of the only ones you'll ever see, you know, for sure at this point. That's right. wild. I'll, I'll, I'll drop a photo in the chat here. I had tweeted yes. about it a few a few weeks ago, so I still have the pictures, but that would be that would be like one of those dream cars for me would be, mm. you know, show up Show up with a Packard with a stick shift, you know? <laughs> that's, that. yeah, that's bonkers. Speaking uh, of dream cars, I know we're running short on time here. I just, I do want to put this idea out there in front of you, Joe. Um, mm -hmm. So, as you know, for sure, the Pacer was originally supposed to go with the Rotary. A Rotary, mm -hmm. developed by GM. A big Rotary, like a two-point-something. Yeah. What would your because I know some some psychopath did put a 500 cubic inch Cadillac V8 into a Pacer. So what what would you think of perhaps some crazy person, I don't know, maybe me, putting a Mazda rotary into a Pacer? So you might not be the first. Really? Uh, Somebody's I talked, done it. I 
I talked to an AMC powertrain engineer, and he said when AMC was getting real into thinking the rotary was the engine of the future, they built a couple prototype test cars, and you know they took them around the track and checked the engines, and you know they'd put a bunch of miles on and then check the oil and the engine and all that stuff. So um, there was at least one or two prototypes that probably had rotary engines. I mean, I've never seen any photos. I've never you know, but heard who's seen the cars in the confirmation. Um, so obviously I'm sure that there was at least one built with like a GM rotary as a test mule of some kind. And he really? said they had, he said they had Mazdas at the test track. So they were testing Mazdas. It's uh. possible they took one out of a Mazda and put it in a gremlin or took one out <laughs> of a Mazda and put it in a Hornet. Cause you know, there's a quote in like popular mechanics where one of AMC's managers says, like, we're expecting 50% of our sales to be rotaries by 1980. Like, I mean, <laughs> completely off base stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know of any that exist. I don't know if any actually existed. I certainly heard people say that AMC was testing them and, you know, do running tests on rotary engines either on the bench or in like what you would call a, a, a test mule. Right. Um, so That's whether those were rotaries they stole from Mazda or they were like early prototypes they got from GM, I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, but they definitely were testing them. Wow. But I mean, by 73, it was pretty clear the pacer was not going to, the rotary engine was not going to be ready in time for the pacer. And so by 73, that door was pretty shut. And then right. by 74, GM pretty much canceled their program. Okay, quick follow-up um, question. Was there any, it, it, as as far as you know, was there any talks about buying rotaries from Mazda? I'm sure they considered it at some point, mm -hmm. um, but I never have heard an official account. The, okay. the version I've been able to piece together through interviews and through research is that the original patent holders of the rotary at the time were like Wankel, mm -hmm. GmbH or whatever, you know, Wankel Corporation and then NSU mm -hmm. also had a patent. And so I guess NSU was bought by Audi at some point. Yes. And so the bizarre tale is that Curtis Wright, the airplane company, bought the exclusive rights to manufacture rotary engines in the United States. So when General Motors wanted to build a rotary, they actually had to go to Curtis Wright and Wankel, and NSU, and get permission from all three of them. Wow. Because Curtis Wright had exclusive rights in the United States. And so the same thing happened with American Motors. American Motors, you know, GM signed a deal, I think, by like 1969 or 70. American Motors, the same thing. They went to Curtis Wright, and they went to Audi and whoever, and they got all their permissions. And then they went to GM and said, look, we don't have the manufacturing capacity to build them. How about if you build them first, we'll buy them from you. And then as we ramp up production, we'll start our own rotary factory. And of course, wow. they never right. they never got that far. Yeah, GM um, but pulled the was, plug on, for sure. Right. The plan was that like they were going to buy their first 100,000 rotaries from GM, and then they were going to build their own. Um, but they never oh, did that. Crazy. <laughs> and there was some old articles from the time period talking about like the difference between like the Mazda rotary and the GM rotary. And of course, GM being GM couldn't figure out how to make it work, you know, because they were trying to they were trying to pull too much cost out of it. You know, Mazda right. was using 
a separate oil cooler and GM was like, well, oil cooler, that'll be an extra $2 an engine. We can't do that. You know? <laughs> and they're like, well, just let the engine run hot. And then, you know, they're like, why, why are the apex seals keep leaking? You know? <laughs> it's like, because why. you don't have an oil cooler, you know, and just stupid stuff like that. So like yeah. GM was trying to pull too much money out of the engine for mass production. Whereas, you know, Mazda engineers were like dedicated to getting that engine to work. Um, right, and th- they were the only ones, as it turned out, because everyone else who touched the rotary got slapped on the wrist, or worse, uh, mm-hmm. as it turned out. I let's see. I would have pegged it to GM pulled the plug on the rotary because rotaries aren't that fuel efficient. It was a combination of factors. Okay, it fair was, enough. They they couldn't get fuel. Fuel efficiency was the biggest one. I mean, by yeah. the by the oil crisis of seventy three, they were like, "Well, screw this, we're done." Yeah, but. They were having issues with oil leaks. They're having issues with temperature management. They're having issues with apex seals wearing out. So it was a combination of things. And it just got to the point where they're just like, why? We'll just build a four cylinder, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and really. so it's, it's a shame um, that they couldn't figure it out. But it was, yeah, it was just, it was too many things, too many cuts, you know, and GM finally kind of threw in the towel. And, and that pretty much doomed the pacer because AMC was expecting to get a small, light, high horsepower, fuel efficient engine. And of course, it was none of those things. Yeah, they had their 4.2, and that was it. <laughs> right. And so that was really tough for AMC to not have a, because they designed a car around an engine that didn't exist. That's, that's, and, you know, that's, yeah. that's a very risky thing to do in the auto industry. Yeah, for so, sure. But, but I won't. I won't give away all the. You know, if you want to learn more about the rotary, you can always uh, go watch the YouTube documentary that's already out there that I did. The unfortunate history of the AMC Pacer. So yes, you can that, learn. I've, I've watched not, that, and it's it's wonderful. not quite as it's not doesn't go quite as far into the weeds as as the new documentary does. But there's definitely lots of good rotary history that, in that, there. that is your new doc that is the the big documentary's proto form would you would you say because i i looked at your channel and like you know you had like a couple things and then that was like your first huge success it's got two million views on it yes i mean i um that was uh yeah hard to believe that was over 10 years ago now <laughs> um but yeah i mean i had fooled around with a couple little you know it's always funny if you go back on somebody's youtube channel and like mm-hmm. look at all their early videos yeah it's funny you go back to the early days of auto moments and i was really fooling around trying to figure out what worked and then yeah i did this documentary on the amc pacer and i was like oh i'll just put this on youtube and then it blew up and i yes. mean uh i wouldn't be where i am today without that documentary it has gotten me jobs it has gotten me, you know, job interviews. It has gotten me other cars to feature on the channel. Um, so I'm, I'm so thankful for, you know, who would have thought that little car could have done so much for me. You know, I'm, I'm so, so thankful for that. That's so neat. Uh, well, so. let's, let's come to a closure here. Yes. Just since we are running out of time. Um, I just want to say, Joe, if, if you ever feel like coming out to the West Coast, and, please come to our show. Well, of course, absolutely please come to our show. It is this June, yes, uh, June twenty fourth, the in... second annual Malays Invitational. Um, but more importantly, if you ever decide to make your way out here, uh, my vehicles are always open to your uh, your reviewing power. Oh, thank <laughs> Mine you. Mine too. Mine too. Um, 
And uh, if you have anything else to close us off with, by all means, now now is the time to toot your own horn. <laughs> sure. Well, just to just to remind everybody, look for the last independent automaker. There's a trailer on YouTube. There's a Facebook page where we post all kinds of goofy AMC stuff. And uh, of course, the GoFundMe. You know, we are already very thankful for anybody who's contributed. This is very much like American Motors. It is an underdog effort. And so we uh, we would not be where we are today without the support of all these great car clubs and collectors and enthusiasts. Um, and and so many great guys like you guys who are let us come on your show and tell our story. And so I'm so thankful yeah. for that. It's it's we hope that we can do the story justice. We're really proud and honored to be able to talk to all the incredible people we interviewed and to to preserve their history. It's really been an awesome thing and all the great people we've met along the way have made it worth it for us. That's great. No, I mean, that's, that's all I could hope to hear from someone like you and you doing the things you're doing. That's, that is so cool. And hopefully a little inspiring to some other people out there who might have a interest in something they think is generally not worthy or underloved. Absolutely. There's always a cool story. You just have to look for it. Yeah. No, I couldn't couldn't have said that better myself. Well, Joe, thank you. You are always welcome back on. Um, yes, thank you. you. You get the seal of approval. Don't worry. <laughs> yes, the Corinthian <laughs> seal of approval. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you guys all so much, guys. This is really fun. I'll have to yes. talk to you again soon. Thanks for that. Oh, absolutely, Joe. Thank you. Hey, Joe. All right. It was yeah. it was an honor. It really was. I'm I'm a big nerd. I mean, fan. Yes, fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wraps up our episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, and uh, yeah, just you can pause now or go to the next episode. I don't care. Boom. Yeah, do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> I don't care.